This morning, I would like to share from Ephesians 5, 22 to 33. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water, washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Verse 32. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So today morning, let's spend time, some time aside to understand what is the great mystery Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus concerning Christ and the church. You know, Paul is making a meaningful biblical analogy of the marriage between husband and wife to that of Christ and the church. It's a beautiful comparison he's making with the church and Christ and with the husband and the wife. You know, usually these passages are used at the time of counseling for a you know newly married couple. Right? So a pastor or someone sits, a counselor sits in front of them and takes the word of God and reads them through uh, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 22 to 23 and he will explain you know, how Christ loves the church. The same way, husband, you need to love your wife. Right? So how you know, uh, Christ is taking caring for the church. In the same way, husband, you need to love and care for your wife. You know, that's how it is preached. But today, I want to draw your attention to the relationship of Christ to the church. You know, to be more precise, I want to talk about what Christ does to his church today. You know, in fact, the most prominent difference between us gathering here in this place as a church with a social gathering outside is the preeminence of Christ or the supremacy or the authority or the lordship of Jesus Christ in this place. 
you know that makes a difference you know we gather here as a church you know at various times even for a prayer meeting time of prayer or even for something here we just wait upon the Lord and gather here in this place but there are so many social gathering going on outside the major difference between what we are trying to do here and what people are trying to do outside the Lordship and the supremacy and the authority of Lord Jesus Christ in this place over this place you know Paul writes four major truths about the involvement of Jesus Christ with today's church there are four major truths we can understand or we can refer from the passage which we just now read about what Christ is trying to do to his church today and he makes it clear that if Christ is not the center of our church we are not a church if Christ is not kept as the center of a church it doesn't matter which church it is church is a universal time it may be a universal church you know it need not be a physical location even but if Christ is not kept as the center of any church it is no more called as a church we are just an association or we are just an organization or we are just a fellowship we gather together at times when we need now the moment we say we are the church or the body of Christ Jesus Christ takes the complete authority so let's spend a few minutes try to understand you know what Lord Jesus is teaching about the church it is important know to know what the role of Jesus you know what role Jesus Christ plays in church today first of all let's read verse 22 and 23 or up to 24 wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord for the husband is head of the wife and also as also Christ is head of the church and he is the savior of the body therefore just as the church is subject to Christ so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything you know that's what the word of God says and we don't know how many of the wives they really obey to this word of God I'm sure you know we are children of God right we do we do obey to this word of God in this matter now Christ first of all what we understand from this passage is Christ is the head of the church <laughs> you know Bible clearly, clearly teaches us <clears throat> Christ is the head of the church why do you say that Christ is the head of the church you know there are so many reasons why Bible or Paul writes that Christ is the head of the church as husband is the head of the family of the wife you know there are very there are few reasons why Christ is the head first of all he purchased the church with his own blood in Acts 20 in Acts 20 verse 28 Bible says I'll read it for you Acts 20 verse 28 Bible says therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood you know Bible clearly says the church is purchased with his own blood let's come back to that a little later church Bible also says he builds the church you know who builds the church today Jesus Christ in Matthew 16 18 Bible says Matthew 16 18 and I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hate shall not prevail against it who builds the church 
Jesus is telling to Peter on this rock who will build I will build my church you know today sometimes you know we tend to think that you know we are building the church you know we are doing something great for the church we are trying to build the church and put everything together and you know so that there is a place for worship no it's not true who builds the church Jesus Christ builds the church let's move further in Revelation chapter 113 it's all familiar to us now Revelation 113 we find that Jesus Christ is found where in the midst of the seven churches can you read that verse for me Revelation 113 so who is standing there in the midst of the lamb stands they represent seven churches in Asia Minor and today it's all the churches right so who is standing there son of man is standing there in the midst of the church so church has a you know great relationship or Jesus has a good relationship with church he's not just it is not just purchased by Jesus Christ he's not just you know the builder of the church he's also standing in the midst of the church and observing and watching and looking into those churches what is really going on in those churches and in Ephesians first chapter if you read verse 20 and 22 Bible says church is his body that's why we call body of Christ it, the term refers to the church it's not just his head the church is his body so if not Jesus who else can be here in this place it is built by Jesus and he is the head of the church and he is the body of the church the church is the body of Jesus Christ in Ephesians 5:27, that same chapter which we read little later we can read in verse 27 that he might present her himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such things but that she should be holy and without blemish blemish you know what Paul is talking about here Jesus Christ presenting the church to himself as a bride and Jesus is the bridegroom Jesus is the head and he is the body and he is the builder he is the one who is standing in the midst of the church and he is also the bridegroom expecting or waiting for a long time for the church and the bride to be united with him finally Colossians 1.18 says Colossians 1.18 Bible says here and he is the head of the body the church who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead that in all things he may have the preeminence Colossians 1 18 he is the head of the body the church who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead that in all things he may have the preeminence in all things that he may have the supremacy or the authority so Jesus Christ is all about church or the church is all about Jesus Christ Jesus is the founder of the church and he is the very foundation of the church he is the builder of the church and he is the preeminence he is the one who is seated in the midst of the church with complete authority you know when you think of the head of the body there cannot be two heads to a body you don't like to see that you know we don't really like that like to have such a body with two heads when we say Jesus is the head of the church there cannot be two heads 
There cannot be two heads. There can be only one head. And that is Jesus Christ, the Lord. And He is the head of the, you know, head of the church. We need to keep Jesus as the head of the church today. You know, today churches are so busy in so many programs, right? Some of the churches are, you know, so busy one after another. You know, they have programs. And, you know, we, we have, there are so many celebrations to go on in many churches. You know, sometimes even we also would like to have such things in our church. You know, but in the midst of all this, you know, if you read the book of Revelation, the first two, three chapters, he clearly we see, you know, when the program is going on, in the churches you know they don't keep Jesus within the church they keep Jesus outside and that's what Jesus says I stand at the door and knock you know then they give they invite Jesus they don't even listen to this knocking when the program is going on when the celebration is going on inside the church when everything gets over someone goes and opens the door for Jesus and he comes inside you know, Jesus is the head of the church. And today without Jesus in the church, you know, there is nothing can be done. No bride and no bride, no, nobody is getting ready for anything. No preparation is going on. No, 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 you know, no assurance or surety about the coming of the Lord. No surety about the future, the eternity. Everything today is centered around the churches. You know, the pastors of the churches need to be very careful not to take the position of the head. You know, in many churches, the pastors will take the role of the head of the church and they try to rule the church. No, Jesus is the head of the churches. In the same time, the pastors of the church also need to be careful not to allow anyone to take the position of head. To take the position of the head. You know, some of the churches, we see a spirit of Jezebel in some of the churches, which I have seen, I'm sure you also would have seen. The spirit of Jezebel is a known figure that tried to take the position of the head in the churches today. You know, that's, what the, that, that's the problem in King Ahab had with Jezebel being his wife. He had that. And even in the New Testament, churches are going through that similar pattern of the spirit of Jezebel getting into the churches. You know, many churches are under the influence of the spirit, the spirit, you know, as the enemy controls those churches. You know what I'm talking about? The spirit gets into that, you know, the, 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 the you know, to in the form of a dominating women in the churches who by the snapping of their fingers or nodding of their head they try to keep the pastor under control in churches some of the churches you know eventually take the position of the head in those churches you know it is very very important you know as we see the churches you know God may put that burden to pray about those churches wherever you see such a spirit of Jezebel the Jezebelism ruling those churches churches you know God is you know making things things clear to us because we have our eyes open when we see those churches we need to pray for those spirit and cast the demon out of those places you know then only we will free feel the freedom and the freedom to worship in those churches and we need to be careful not someone is becoming the head of the church Jesus is the head of the church you know if you know you know where we see that kind of thing is going on there is no doubt 
Antichrist, the spirit of Antichrist is in control. You know who is the one who is going to come and sit in the temple and he make himself as a head of the church or head of the temple. It is Antichrist. It is a spirit of Antichrist is at work in such places where you know Jesus Christ is you know thrown out and someone else is kept as a head. Today as we read these passages Christ is or the spirit of God is making it clear to us Christ is the head. Secondly Christ loves the church. You know he loves the church. There is no doubt about it. Let's read verse 25. Husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Bible clearly says Christ it's not that he wants to be a head always. He loves the church. The way husbands loves the wives the same way he loved the church and I'm sure he is still loving the church and he will continue to love the church till he meets the bride face to face. He loves the church so much. Do we know that really he loves it? If he really knows, we know that how much he loves the church, you know sometimes we don't neglect the church. We give importance to the church because we know that the moment we know Jesus Christ loves the church and we tend to love the church more. You know we tend to love the church every time when we gather together. We try to love the time of getting together in the presence of God. You know Jesus Christ, he gave his life for the church. You know, according to Acts 20:28, 20, as we read, he purchased the church by his own blood. He gave us life. Can you imagine? His precious blood was shed on the land to buy you and me. To buy the church. He gave us blood to make us to his as his own. Today, Jesus is here in this place because he loves us. Because he, 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 he gave his very own life. He shed his very own blood on this land. You know, on this earth, you know, people are willing to donate their organs. Have you seen? You know, some of the provinces, when you go for a license, they, they will check. Are you want to be an organ donor? Right? Then you put a check there and say that yes, I want to be. What does it mean? Some of us even you know tick there without knowing what does it mean? What does it mean? For example, if you get into an accident and suddenly you pass away, they don't need to take anybody's concern to remove an organ from your body because they look at your license and it shows that you are an organ donor or your health card or somewhere else. And the moment they know that, they will take an organ, whatever is alive or whatever is required from your body. People are willing to donate their organs when they are dead, not when they are alive, when they are dead. And even I have seen some of the people, they are coming forward to donate one of their kidneys. To donate even when they are alive. You know, people will go to that extreme of even donating their bodies, you know, organs to somebody else so that someone else may have a life. I've not never seen, never come across someone donating one of their eyes to somebody else. I don't know about you, whether you heard of that. But I have heard of people donating one of their kidneys to somebody else. I have seen, I've known some of the people who are even alive today with one kidney, right? So people will go to the, this extreme. But ra- very rarely people will do that when they are alive. People donate, may donate organs, even few may, you know, donate few milliliters of their blood to somebody else. But I have never come across someone donating even the final drop of his blood so that somebody else may be alive. 
I have never come across anyone like this on this earth who can donate completely every blood. If you go and lie down in the bed where you know you are asked to donate the blood, the, the nurses or doctors are very particular there. You know they will draw only the blood. What is you know the you know what is the maximum they can do to your body so that your body is kept alive and it's healthy. But here someone you know stretching his hands and telling that you take the entire blood out of my body. Who is that? Lord Jesus Christ. Why he did so? Because he loves us. He loved us so much. That's what the word of God says. He, he shed his entire blood for us and he died. Because he loves his church. He loves his church. I'm not sure how much it's able to, you know, this fact is able to get into my head, into my brain today. I'm not sure. But the one thing that is true is he loves his church than what we can imagine and what we can think. I came across this illustration. A man had been married for over 25 years. One day, he was sharing his, with his friend about their family life. And suddenly he reached out his wallet and he told, let me show this picture of the bride. And the friend was in doubt. Because she, he knows that his wife is almost in, his, in her late 50s. And the moment he said that, you know, I'm, let me show the picture of the bride, he thought immediately, first he thought, okay, probably he is, you know, getting onto another affair or another marriage, looks like. And finally, when he took out the picture, he thought, oh, probably he is just showing the picture at the time of their wedding or, you know, at the time when they were engaged. And the man took out his picture. And he took out his picture. So instead of, you know, uh, handing him the old picture at the time of their marriage or wedding, he took out a recent picture of his wife, who is in now 50s, and he said, see, look at my lovely bride. You know, the man's obvious love for his wife was so inspiring. Even at the 50s, she was not just calling her as an old lady, and he, she's not even calling her as wife, but he's, you know, he's so gracious to call her as a lovely bride. You know, it's, she's still a bride for him. You know, it's so true with us. You know, in spite of all our mistakes, you know, all our backslidings, you know, all our imperfections in our life, still Jesus Christ calls us as his bride. You know, in spite of all the blemishes, all the spots and wrinkles around our lives, but still Jesus Christ is calling us brides. Isn't this amazing? His love is so amazing. His love is, is so important in our lives. You know, today Jesus loves his church. I came across this little poem of a well-known poetess called Betty Jomings. You would have come across some of her poems. They are very amazing poems. She is a Christian woman. She lives in California. I think she must, she must be in her 90s or late 80s. She says, she wrote a poem about the church and it is more appropriate for our situation here. That's what I thought. I'll read it for you. Our church is not a great cathedral filled with works of art. With statues, stat, statues, statues, no, statues, carved of saints and cherubim. No, our church is not like one, but just a simple edifice that's built to honor God. And where we meet to praise and worship Him. 
We don't have a famous preacher clad in crested flowing robes who speak of riches and prosperity but only humble men of God who tell how Jesus died to pay for all our sins and set us free. We have no lofty stained glass windows drawing praise of men or sound of mighty organs in our ear but as we lift up our voices and we sing of Jesus' love, we find the help to conquer doubt and fear. We gather as a family to hear the word of God and we are always blessed because we came. Our fellowship and sweet communion fit us for the task of living to bring honor to his name. Our church is just for sinners who are washed in the blood, in Jesus' blood, who try to follow Christ, his works to do, and everyone who has a need is welcome in our midst. We pray that you will come to know him too. You know, she just wrote a great poem about the church. And Jesus, there is no doubt about it, Jesus loves his church so much. Do we love our church? You know, that's the question I was trying to ask me. Do I love the church? If we love the church, you know, we do all that we can do to build our church. I'm not talking about the building around it. I'm talking about the people, children of God, the believers coming together in the presence of God. You know, we care for our church. We keep our church clean. We make ourselves to be available to the church. We rejoice to see the mighty things happening in the church. We rejoice to see life being touched and life being changed in our church. Today, the second thing we come to know is Jesus Christ loves his church. Thirdly, verse 26, it's important that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Thirdly, Jesus Christ sanctifies and cleanses his church. You know, until I read this today, yesterday and today, I never thought really Jesus has such a role, such a great important role in this in sanctification. I never realized that Jesus has such a deep role in sanctifying and cleansing the church. I was thinking about, yes, the word of God does that, of course. And the spirit of God does that. But now we see Jesus, he does this and he is the master of doing all this in a church. And how he does that? By the washing of the water by the word. By the washing of the water water and by the word. You know, there are two terms often used. One is justification, another one is sanctification. You know, as a child of God, we need to know the difference between these terms, justification and sanctification. It's not theology, but it is a reality. Justification is the work of God where the righteousness of Jesus Christ is reckoned or considered or, you know, given to a sinner. So the sinner would become righteous in the presence of God. And the justification is given by God. But the sanctification is a process of being set apart for God's work and being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. So as I said that, justification is something instantaneous and sanctification is a process which happens over a period of time. No works are necessary for justification because it's not our justification. It is Christ's righteousness. His justification is given to us. But sanctification 
we need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, with the Word of God, in order to be sanctified, and it is a process. In other words, we contribute to sanctification through our efforts. In contrast, we don't really contribute anything to justification just other than by believing and receiving Jesus Christ and becoming his child. Here Bible says Jesus Christ sanctifies us by the washing of the word. You know when Lord Jesus Christ prayed for his disciples before he was ascended into heaven in John chapter 17 verse 17 John 17 17 he says justify them by thy truth. Justify these disciples they have been following me for a long time Lord justify them by the truth. Your word, sorry, not justify, sanctify them. He was praying, sanctify them by your truth. The word of God is the one that sanctifies us. You know, sanctification is the inward spiritual work which the Lord Jesus Christ does through the word and with the help of the Holy Spirit. That is the inward work which happens within our lives. You know, Christ does that work in us with the help of the Holy Spirit and by the word of God. You know, when we hear the word, it is the voice of the Holy Spirit that convicts us for a need of a sanctification in our lives. We hear the word of God and the Spirit of God convicts us of our need for sanctification. You know, when we cooperate with the Holy Spirit and obey Him, He makes the Word to work in our lives. And the result is sanctification. You know, that's how we are sanctified today. As a church, as a child of God, we are sanctified day by day. The sanctification is required for a believer to grow in the Lord. You know, today, sanctification must be a constant process in our lives. You know, we seldom we take time to sit at the presence of God and see, am I growing in Christ? Am I growing in His nature? Am I growing Christ-like? You know, if the true sanctification takes place in our life today, you know, we say no to the things which we did in the past. You know, these are some of the keys which we can use, some of the litmus test which we can use to know whether really sanctification is happening in my life. If sanctification is happening true in my life, I will be able to say no to some of the sins which I am involved with in the past. Our thirst level for God must be more than last year, more than last month. It cannot remain in the same level. That means there is nothing happening within us. You know, if we are sanctified, if the word of God is at work in our lives, every day we improve. The thirst level for God, to know God and to be conformed into his image, that thirst level becomes more and more within us. Our life would have touched others even without our knowledge. If we are sanctifying, if we are sanctified in our lives. If we are not, if, if lives are not changed by looking at us, if lives are, are, are not, you know, not even we are able to rub with someone's life, it means the sanctifying work of the word of God is not real in our lives. Our relationship and our communication with the Lord is much stronger than the past. 
how about our relationship with the lord how how do you speak to the lord you know in what way still are you speaking to him as a stranger or still are you keeping him as a lord and say we are at times you go and worship him and then forget about him or we keep him as a friend every moment we talk to him that shows whether the sanctification process is real or not our intimacy with the lord should be much more than what we had in the past we feel strangers and pilgrims in this world that's what the word of god says if we are not feeling that we are pilgrims and strangers in this world i would say there is no sanctification happening in my in my life you know what i'm trying to say here if i feel that i fit to this world if i feel that i'm comfortable living in this world if i feel that i belong to this world there is no work of christ happening in my life you know every minute every time we look at this world we need to get a feeling that it's a temporary living in this place if we are a child of god children of god we get the feeling that i am a stranger in this land why the world is against me why the world is looking at me like this because it's true that i'm a, i'm not this world doesn't belong to me i'm living as a stranger and pilgrim on this world if the word of god if the voice of the spirit is telling you that there is a real sanctification happening in our lives remember christ does that to us in in order to prepare us for his coming why he wants to sanctify the church today in first thessalonians 5:23 if you can read i'll read it for you first thessalonians 5:23 now may the god of peace himself sanctify you completely first thessalonians 5:23 now may the god of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit soul and the body be preserved blameless at the coming of our lord jesus christ first thessalonians 5 23 now may the god of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your spirit sorry may your whole spirit soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our lord jesus christ you know this verse you know made me to question many times not just now because this is one of the verses which says may your whole spirit soul and the body you know at times we think that the body is just an outer shell it doesn't really matter all that is important is the soul and the spirit to some extent and when the coming of the lord our soul will go because this incorruption will put on you know the, the eternal the eternity this corruptible body will put on the incorruption and we feel that our body is not you know that not that important but you know word of god clearly says that your whole spirit soul and your body be preserved blameless at the coming of the lord jesus christ so it's important that we need to take care of these three in our lives we need to make sure that all three remain pure in the sight of god and he sanctifies us why because he wants us to to be presented in the presence of god that's the fourth point christ makes the church presentable so christ is the head of the church 
and Christ being the head of the church he takes the complete authority of being the head of the church and he loves the church and he sanctifies this church and why he does all this finally he makes us presentable that's what word 27 says let's read verse 27 that he might Ephesians 5 27 that he might present her to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that she should be holy and without blemish you know we live in a world that is so busy and hectic all through the day you know at the end of the day no one wants to go to bed you know with frustration or with the disappointments or with conflicts or fighting no nobody none of us would like to go to our bed like that as far as possible you know we just go to bed with peacefully in a good family setup you know husband and wife they make some themselves presentable to each other in order to have you know a good sleep at good night you know they will have a good meal today together tonight at that night together to make sure that you know they understand each other they spend some time at least at the meal table and they being very careful in their words and their attitude towards each other they pray together and submit to God and as they submit to each other and even I you know they, they, they before they go to bed even they may take a shower and they know they want to go to bed peacefully understanding knowing each other they do all this because you know otherwise they may not be able to accept each other and they go to sleep people are very careful today not to you know even t- tell a single word extra because that may hurt somebody else and then you know they, they, they may just lose the peace of mind in the same way in the world where church is going more and more away from God or the standards of Jesus Christ and they, they are getting into the standards of this world God is expecting us or the church to become more and more presentable to God more presentable to God how husband and wife they are responsible for that in the same way we are responsible as Christ works in us and makes us more presentable to God you know no one would like to see a bride on the day of her wedding with wrinkles below her eyes and her cheeks with so many spots and had forehead with so much of blemish nobody would like to see a bride right I was not prepared to see her like that right and she was so beautiful she went to a beautician and then you know he just you know made set everything all right and she was really beautiful on the day I'm sure every one of you would like to have that that's where the beauticians are for you go to them and make sure every spot is removed and even if it requires you know really you know um, you know using a needle or to take it out you know we are willing to do it because you know we want to make sure nothing is in our face everything is perfect right so we just go to the beautician and they do the job the beautician's job is to make you proper so that you are presentable to your husband the same way Jesus Christ does that today he does everything that is possible for him by him to make us presentable to Jesus Christ to the to God the Father on the day when we are going to meet him it is Christ who prepares us and who makes us presentable to God a Christian author John Stott he wrote this thing these words it is to this end that Christ has been working 
and is continuing to work. The bride does not make herself presentable. It is the bridegroom who labors to beautify her in order to present her to himself. Probably it happens in our case also. When the bride sends the picture first time, the bridegroom looks at it and then said, these are the corrections probably you need to make before you come for the wedding. Just better go and find a beautician and make this correction, set things right and then we get married. It's the bridegroom who is behind this. It's Jesus who is behind this church to make it spot free, wrinkle free and blemish free. Jesus is at work, he writes, every day to make us beautiful. He had us in mind as he hung dying on the cross. Since that day, more than 2000 years ago, his love for us has not changed. Jesus still calls us his bride. One day, we the church will be presented to Christ as the bride. The church from all generations, all tribes, all tongues, clop in white, pure and spotless, presented at the marriage feast of the Lamb. So look at the church from heaven's perspective. Look at the church from heaven's perspective. And I believe that's the only thing Lord wants to do in this church. Nothing else. Nothing else. It all doesn't matter whether we have or we don't have. But Lord God is trying to do. He is preparing us and because he has to present us to himself one day as a bride. You know that's the ultimate and that's the only objective of church. We may call it as different terms. You know, we may call it as disciple making and so many terms which we use. But ultimately, mainly, it's, it's all about getting the bride ready to meet the bridegroom. You know, some of us at times, some sometimes we feel very slow about us. You know, we may consider ourselves sometimes being stupid or ugly or worthless or useless or totally washed up or sick with so many things in this world. And some of us may question, what is the value of my existence in this place? You know, it happens even in the churches. Some of us sometimes believe that. Really God is at work? Is God doing anything in my life? Am I being used in this presence of God, in this place of God? We have that question. But you know, Christ takes us and he wants with his blood to remove the spot and blemish that only his blood can cleanse and only his blood can do. The day when we meet our heavenly father I believe we may feel so afraid to approach that unapproachable light. Bible says about God he lives he's in an, he lives in an unapproachable light. I believe one day when we go and knock the door of heaven and say that Lord I'm here and the angel standing there he looks into the book of life and verifies our name and says that come on you can get into the glory and he gives a pat over back and then he gets us into the door the moment we look into the glorious heaven we feel we are so insignificant we are so tiny there we are not able to go and see the light which is unapproachable that's what we may, we may get the feel about heaven. We may stand up for and say that I'm not worthy Lord. Only the lamb, the lion of Judah, the son of David is worthy. I'm not worthy to see you face to face. Because Bible says no one has seen the father face to face and lived. He is such an awesome and powerful and majestic God. And when we go there and stand in his presence, that's what we feel. God the Father may turn and look into the sun 
and ask him who are these tribes who are this nation and kindred and standing here and the language is standing here in heaven near the door next to the door and you know what the lamb of God will answer Father, these are the ones whom I redeemed by my own blood. I shed my blood for these and purchased them with my blood. And when the Father finds you and me through the blood of the Lamb, we are found acceptable in the presence of God. Because He is such an almighty and awesome God. It is only His blood, nothing else, that makes us presentable to God. It is only His blood. In Exodus 12:13, we read, God is instructing the children of Israel to put the blood of the Lamb at the doorpost. And I will pass over you. That Lamb of blood of the Lamb that signifies that you and me are children of God. We are under the protection of the blood. Hebrew 9.22 says, According to the law, almost all things are purified with the blood. He shed his blood to purify you and me. John 1.7 says, The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all our sins. Isaiah 44.22 says, I have blotted out like a thick cloud your transgressions and like a cloud your sins return to me for I have redeemed you he did that by his blood Psalm 103:12. we read as far as east is from the west so far he has removed our transgressions from us by the blood in Micah 7:19, we read you will cast out all our sins into the deepest part of the sea it's by the blood. Every sin that we did in our life and we do today, it's by the blood. We are sanctified and we are cleansed. And Psalm 79, 8, David says, You don't remember former iniquities. Any of the sins which we committed in our former life, in our previous life, God says, I don't remember. He's a God who remembers so much. He Even Bible says he counts, he knows how many hairs are in my head. Such an awesome God. He says, I don't remember what you did in the past. You know, he's such a loving God. He doesn't even remember. We remember what sins we did. Our you know, fellow people, they remember what we did on this earth but God doesn't remember because he threw them away as far as from the east is from the west and he threw them already into the you know deepest most part of the sea and he blotted out our transgressions like a thick cloud and today that blood is available for you and for me what amazing love you know what amazing way God prepares his church today and I pray that the, let that be the focus of this church today preparing this church for the coming of the Lord to present him to himself as a blameless and spotless and blemishless bride of God amen I believe that we need to stand to this fact. I believe we need to stand to this fact and see God is at work in our church today.